todo el mundo. Welcome to the Rock and Roll Nightmares podcast. I'm your host, Stacey Lane Wilson, author of the Rock and Roll Nightmares book series and director of the documentary The Ventures, Stars on Guitars. This is your destination for all things rock, where the interviewees include musicians, authors, historians, filmmakers, and more. And now, on to the show. My guest today is the incredibly talented and legendary musician and vocalist Mark Farner. He's a founding member of the original Grand Funk Railroad and a platinum recording artist. You know and love him from classic rock staples like I'm Your Captain, We're an American Band, and Heartbreaker. He's also in my music documentary as an interviewee for The Ventures Stars on Guitars. As 2023 closes out, he has three big projects that he's working on and releasing. A rediscovered concert from 1989, Mark Farner's Chords, instructional guitar playing videos, and a new album that's being produced by Mark Slaughter. So let's get to it. So let's just dive right in because I know that you have a lot going on right now and I want to get to that first. Um, so okay. what is Mark Farner's Rock and Roll Soul Live 89? It was found by the, some people at uh, Liberty or Liberation Hall, uh, this, this video recording. It was, a, it was like a lost recording. And my manager called me. He says, Have you, do you recall this? Uh, playing uh, 20 years after Woodstock thing in California. And I said, yeah, I remember something like that. He says, well, these guys want to release it. He, I, I said, well, send it over to me so I can take a look at it. And they sent it over and, and I looked at it and I'll tell you, um, it, it, Stacy, it, it kind of floored me because usually people that do these live recordings don't really get, the feel they might get the microphone on a couple of things but they don't mix it well and they they don't get enough of the audience in there to make it so you you can feel the interaction between the band and who's watching the band but on this one they did and they had chipmunk uh as the announcer 
And so uh, we did this this show, and and after I watched the the tape of it, the whole thing, I told Avi, I said, "Man, uh, uh, I'm ready to do it. So let's let's sign the agreement and get this thing out there because I think it's cool, you know, to go back that far and find something, uh, you know, that was lost." <laughs> yeah. Wow. What was it like yeah. to uh, watch it's, that yourself it, for the first time in years? Well, it was exciting because. It's totally a different band than I'm using now as all these other guys. I mean, I've, I've had several different uh, renditions, versions of the, the band. and uh, But back then, it was Mike Maple on the drums, Michael Blair on keyboards, Lawrence Buckner on bass guitar, and Arnie Vilches on second guitar. And I still uh, have Arnie in my acoustic band when I go out and do acoustic shows. Arnie Vilches is there with me. So we, we've stayed together over all these years, but uh, you know, I, I was kind of amazed that uh, like I said, that they, that they caught the action and that the relationship between the band and the audience is so important to a live show. And if they don't have the microphones turned towards the audience so that people can hear the reactions, you know, then they, they kind of miss it, but they, they had them on and uh, everybody was rocking. Everybody was on key. Everybody in the band was released on November 7th, but the, the pre-sales are all autographed by me personally. Oh, okay. I, I have been signed thousands. Oh my gosh. Thousands <laughs> of dvd and uh, cd covers and the and the vinyl and let me just show you that this is a mock-up of the vinyl which is a black and red splattered vinyl oh wow and it's very cool i you know i think you know for a, a vinyl collector they're gonna want to have that that be signed by me and then the cd uh dvd will also be signed by me and uh you can you can get it any one of the three ways and as long as it's a pre-sale it will have my signature on it like i said i'm doing thousands of them and uh, wow. and people are buying them and and we are excited to to put it out there's there's music on this uh live recording from 89 that uh you know, I don't put in my show anymore, but back then it was part of the show. And, and, uh, it's a couple of, uh, like, uh, some God rock on there. So like judgment day blues and isn't it amazing. It's a song that I did that John Beeland wrote and John Beeland was Ricky Nelson's guitar player. And, uh, he was the night that Ricky went down in the plane. John was supposed to have been on the plane with him. But a friend of his was there, had driven into the show, and John uh, opted to ride back with his friend in the truck. So uh, he missed the plane ride, and thank God he wrote this song for his eight-year-old daughter. Isn't it amazing? And uh, I, I did it the way I heard it, you know, a rock ballad. Um, and it was nominated for a Dove Award. I went to the ceremony and all, but uh, oh, 
That's incredible. Yeah, you hear stories like that, like Waylon Jennings didn't get on the plane with Buddy Holly. And you think, wow, all the music that would have been lost if he had passed also. It makes you think and is great fodder for songs. Yes. Um, And so, yeah, I want to talk about also another recent endeavor of yours, which I think is a really wonderful and giving thing that you're doing, which is Farner Courts. So can you tell people what that's all about? Thank you, Stacy. Um, I got an email from a guy, a friend of mine, and he says, hey, Farner, is this really how you play Sin's a Good Man's Brother? And I watched this video link of somebody, and I, I was not aware that that there were people on the internet trying to teach other guitar players how to play my music. And then I, when I watched this and it was so wrong Mm. when I watched it, I said, man, I gotta, I gotta do something about this. Why, why don't I just do that? Why don't I go out and, do my own videos. I got a hold of Jimmy Romeo, uh, north of Detroit. There, my friend. He was in a band with me, uh, Adrenaline. They were, uh, they were my uh, my band back in the eighties. And uh, Jimmy's a sax player and a, a vocalist extraordinaire. Guy's got talent, you know, dripping out of his little fingers. But he he got into doing commercials and video stuff and. Uh, I call him up and I said, Jimmy, I got an idea. And I told him what happened. I said, and I want to correct uh, what these guys are doing is teaching the wrong chords. And so, and I said, I want to give away. I don't want to charge people for these because I will get my satisfaction and I will get my reward when people play my songs with the right chords. Yeah. And he thought that was just awesome. And uh, so he said, yeah, man, I'll I'll get another uh, camera. We'll have two cameramen on you, one on your right hand, one on your left hand. He says, I can see this. And so he, he, you know, is the one who produced it and directed it. And, and uh, I was just the subject and I was playing my songs and he did all everything else. And it's very well done. It's cinematic the way he does things. It just has a nice uh, cinematic flow to it. And we have received so many wonderful comments from people uh, thanking us for making this available. And there is no question whatsoever on the chords that were played and the chords that you use when you play Sin's a Good Man's Brother by Grand Funk. I didn't realize, Stacy, that the there was all of these people who had done uh, their versions of Sin's a Good Man's Brother until I went to this YouTube thing and, and started going down. And I was there for two hours listening to different versions of people doing my song. None of them did it, you know, the right, the right way. I did it the right way because I wrote it, of course. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and I, I it the right way. But there are other people that are very accomplished musicians, and and I think uh, imitation is the most sincere form of flattery. 
So when you're doing something that somebody else has done, that you're just, you're flattering them. That's, it's a like, man, you're giving them uh, kudos. And, uh, and so I, that's the way I receive it. And I, I, I did thumbs up on all these videos that I saw of people doing since a good man's brother. I did not realize, holy mackerel, <laughs> what the, you know, hours I was there for hours. Um, but I'm, I'm very humbled by uh, the reception that we've had so far in Farner Chords, and they are available at markfarner.com. Just go there and uh, not only guitar, but keyboards. I did uh, foot stomping music, and uh, I think this last one I did Creeping. So there's a couple of keyboard songs on there and a couple of guitar songs, and they, and we got a lot more recorded in the can a lot more to release and uh, we will be recording more songs. Of course, I mean, there's hundreds of songs. <laughs> yes, there are. <laughs> well, I think that's great. And I think that it's also such a um, wonderful thing that our modern times are able to bring to aspiring guitarists, because as I mentioned earlier uh, in the intro that you are in my documentary, The Venture Stars on Guitars, and I love what you said in it, how you used to listen to the Ventures records and you'd have to raise the needle and play it back. And you're like, how did they do that again? And you really had to work for it. But now, um, today, we can actually learn from the masters themselves, which is what you're doing with Warren Chords. Thank you. Appreciate that, Stacey. Um, well, I want to get back into a little bit of what inspired you when you were aspiring. Um, I know you mentioned that you loved the ventures when you were starting out and also Bill Haley and his comments. Um, what was it about that early electric guitar sound that was so new and fresh? What was it that made you want to do that yourself? Well, the guitars that I had heard uh, before that were live guitars and uh, acoustic guitars played in our farmhouse in Michigan. And it was either, and we, it was every Sunday, there was a jam session because my relatives all played music and, and uh, on my, my mom's side. And my dad played guitar and, and played saxophone as well. And all the women would sing and, you know, uh, my grandpa, my uncle Woody, uncle Brian, uh, people were playing banjo, fiddle, acoustic guitar. Everything was acoustic. So then when it was electrified and, and I'm hearing, you know, the ventures walk, don't run. Oh my God. It's like, this is, it was talking, you know, it's, it's like, Whoa, yeah. It caught my attention. And, uh, Bill Haley and the comets, uh, you know, rock around the clock. Oh man. The, the people were up dancing and, uh, my mom and dad, you know, out tearing up the rug. And, and I said, this is cool. Cause look at what they're doing to it. Look at, look at what that music is making them people do. <laughs> uh, yeah. It just, yeah. It really caught me. And I, I, I was in love with the, you know, doing music from a young guy. I mean, from just a little shaver and watching all these people in the farmhouse and over at my aunt Dorothy's playing music. It was part of, you know, my upbringing. And so 
for me to have evolved into being uh, the musician that I am was just a natural thing for me to do. Well, I love the way you put songs together and the little things that you bring to them. I mean, I'm sure I'm far from the first person to say that we're an American band is one of my all time favorite songs. And I know you brought a lot to that, including the cowbell. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, we don't hear cowbell very much anymore, unfortunately. How did that all come together in the beginning? I think the, the thing about that song that most people love and that I love is that the minute it comes on the radio and you hear the first, uh, you know, the drums and the cowbell and all, you just want to turn it up. And not every yeah. song is like that, where you want it like you want it up. So what is it about that song from a musician's point of view that makes it that way? You know, Brewer came with the lyrics. Uh, Lynn Goldsmith, who was, she was uh, titled as our publicist. And uh, and, but, and she came up with all the, the album covers for American bands, Shining On, All the Girls in the World Beware. Um, you know, the, uh, from uh, after Phoenix album, she did them all she and and they were they were her uh, babies and she came to us one day and she said guys why don't you do a song about yourself you guys are an american band why don't you write a song and so brewer came in to rehearsal and he had lyrics and he says i got this song you know and it was after lynn's uh prompting um uh, for him to have written these lyrics and he he played two note chords on the guitar and and so i knew he wanted to play it in the key of d because that's where he was at and, but i heard it a different way uh i heard a you know the way i played it on the record that's what i heard and but i i said man it needs to start with a with a drum lick like boom and then do this bass drum thing and i told him you know it's got to do snare up and tap up tap up tap up tap up uh and he's going no man he says nobody can do that i said do you know who you are you're don brewer <laughs> <laughs> and he ends up uh, coming in like a couple of days later he had it down pat and when i told him it needed a cowbell and he says oh what, what don't mean it need a cowbell i said yes Brewer, it is crying for it is screaming for a cowbell and he says all right all right all right i'll pick one up because uh, he didn't have one i said pick six of them up and and we'll pick the one that matches the song you can take the other five back to the music store i said but bring a bunch of them and we'll pick the right one and so we picked one and we put some duct tape on it to kind of calm it down a little bit and it was it was the right cowbell for that song and uh and that's the one that people listen to when they hear american band wow that's fantastic and another thing that i love uh, aside from that well the whole song of course but the intro how it really makes you want to turn it up is that it has a definitive ending not a lot of songs especially in the 70s have that you know they've got that long 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 fade out you know like eric clapton yeah. or led zeppelin or the stones where they just keep going and going and going so um, how do you know which songs need a definitive end and, uh, and which ones need a long fade out? Well, that one I just heard kind of like uh, the the oohs on the ooh, you know, 
we're an American band. Ooh. And there, and it's a two-part harmony. I said, let's do it kind of like the Beatles, you know, like with the ooze. And uh, and the, the guy said, yeah, man, that, that sounds good. Let's do that. And so um, that one was, again, it, I could just hear it. It was screaming for an ending. And I don't think fading it out would have been the th the way to do that. You know, I think the way we did it, it had a, it had an intro and it had an outro. There's the song. Yeah. Bam. Hard hitting. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Um, now, you did mention Lynn Goldsmith, and I just want to talk about her a little bit because not a, her name is not household name unless you're a really a big rock music fan or a fan of music photography but can you give yeah. us a little rundown of how you met her and who she is and what she brought to um grand funk lynn was a new york city girl and she knew andy cavalieri who ended up being our manager after uh we dropped terry knight and uh, this was in 1971. So in uh, 72, Andy started managing us. And Lynn was uh, a photographer at that time. She came and started taking some pictures. And uh, she had some great ideas. And Andy said, I think you guys should hire Lynn as your publicist. And we said, we do too. Yeah, she, she's got she's got great ideas. You know, that, that whole uh, the Shining On album with the 3D glasses on it, that was, you know, it was ahead of its time. The stuff that she was doing was very creative. And uh, she, you know, she was more than just a publicist because of her ideas. She loved the band. She wanted to see us succeed. And we had a lot of people, you know, that were there, uh, just because they wanted to be part of the success, but, but she wanted to be part of the creativity. She wanted to lend herself and her God-given talents to making us, uh, giving us a better image to making us what we could be. And I thank God for her because the, it's part of, the creativity that she had, the creative genius in that gal uh, helped put us right where we are today. And I mean, Grand Funk is Mark, Don, and Mel. There is another, there is a, a band, what do they call that? Uh, oh, a, a tribute they call band. Them bands? Or, uh... There you go. There's a <laughs> tribute band out there, but it doesn't contain the guy that wrote and sang 92% of the music. So, uh, that's another story and uh not i'm not bitter i'm not gonna leave anybody with like oh man he's he's pissed off i'm not pissed off i let i have forgiven it but sometimes people get off their path they just need to you know follow and come back onto the path and and do what's right make people happy and and uh, do what's honest and that's what you're doing which i think is fantastic and um, seeing you perform, I believe it was 20, I want to say 2018 or 2019 for Jeff Baxter's birthday party with the all-star 
uh, vine. It was the American All-Star Vinyl. I was, I was just blown away. And it was so much fun to see you and my dad performing on stage together with Jeff, who's a longtime friend of the family. And it's just such a good feeling to, you can just feel that you guys were all happy to be there and it's celebrating yeah. and enjoying. Um, I think that's really important also for the audience. You know, I think the audience can feel it if someone's not all together with you know, the vibe of what's going on. And you've performed also with Ringo Starr's All-Star Band. Um, what is it about yeah. the dynamic or the alchemy that makes these particular bands special and different from, a, you know, a regular band that you'd form with friends? Because we all bring something that we've already, uh, you know, been noted for uh songs that we've recorded we bring it to to the mix we all have our own songs and like with Ringo each one of us uh you know Billy Preston um John Entwistle Randy Bachman Felix Cavalieri we all brought songs that we did from our career and from our recording uh career throughout the years and and then we did uh Ringo songs, yeah. you know. Uh, so there's the, the fun that you have learning a song from, like f for me, learning from Randy Bachman. He's a great guitar player. He's uh he does things a little differently. I love that. He showed me chords that I didn't know. I'm using those chords today. I learned from Randy. I love that guy. And to to play with the people that wrote these songs that you heard on the radio, like I heard these songs, and Billy Preston, forget about it. The guy was a virtuoso. And to be able to play his music with them, oh, oh, nothing from nothing leaves nothing. <laughs> you know? Absolutely, you hit have not yet collaborated with that you would like to? Oh, there's lots of people, but uh, I am uh, collaborating with Mark Slaughter from the group Slaughter. I remember them. Uh, he is uh, producing my album that we've been working on for nearly two years now, and it's coming closer to the end. I think it'll be ready in the spring, and we are crossing our fingers and hoping but he's on the road i'm on the road so it's kind of hard to you know say let's just block this off and do this because we can't do that we got to just well let's see what are you doing uh, we compare calendars okay there's three days right there let's go get those three days and you know so i'll go to columbia tennessee where mark lives and and uh go into the studio with him and record and then i will uh, do you know things here uh background parts a lead guitar part a vocal for something and then and record it on my equipment and send it to the dropbox and he uh, will yeah. take it from the dropbox into his workstation and mix it in and and we get things done that way but it's just a lot slower when we're together man things happen like Boom, boom, boom. My question that I always ask people, since this is the Rock and Roll Nightmares podcast, is what is your own personal rock and roll nightmare? We were playing Hyde Park, 1971. Humble Pie opened. 
We had 65,000 people. It was a free concert downtown London, <laughs> Hyde Park. Yeah. And back then, Stacy, it was before there was any cordless, you know, the things that we use nowadays. I, I don't have a cord. I can run all over the stage. Yeah. I don't get tangled up in a cord. Back then, I had to be conscious of that cord. And what we did for me was we took the coil cords that look like your old phone cords, you know, that the, mm -hmm. they pull out and they extend. Yeah. And we put a, a couple of 20 footers together with uh, cannon jacks, like a microphone just where they snap together. And I, so I had like 40 feet plus of cord and uh, we were in doing, you know, some, I can't even remember the song, but we were doing a song and I took off and I, and I slid across the stage on my knees and I'm, and I'm going, Oh man, I'm not slowing down. I'm not slow. I'm not. And I went right off the front of the stage, dropped to the ground front of all these English bikers that were there in front of the stage. And I found out exactly how long uh, that cord was because I couldn't have taken another step. I landed on my feet. I dropped 10 feet, landed on my feet and kept playing like it was part of the act. <laughs> I, was, I was so embarrassed. Uh, but I just, they loved it. I looked up and, and uh, Ralph was there, my, our uh, stage manager. I hand my guitar up to him and I go <laughs> under the stage, over to the steps, get back up on the stage and finish the show. Oh my God. Yeah, that was, that was a <laughs> rock and roll nightmare right there, buddy. Mm. I wish someone had gotten video of that. Yeah. But let's talk about your video as we close out here. So Mark Farner's rock and soul, rock and roll soul, right? Yes. Okay. Rock so 1989. So how can people get their pre-orders signed by you? You go to markfarner.com, order the, the CD, DVD, or the vinyl, and it will be signed by me because I have signed uh, like I said, I've signed thousands of these and uh, the, after they're gone, after this, uh, the 17th, there will be no more personalized uh, CDs or DVDs or the vinyl. All right. So uh, they need to order but, before Friday, November 17th. Yeah. Uh, yep. Fantastic. To get this All right. Well, thank you, Mark. I really appreciate your time and your talent and everything that you've given to me and music fans like me. Thank you, Stacy. Good to be with you, sister. This concludes another episode of the Rock and Roll Nightmares podcast. Remember, there's a book series, too. All the books are available in paperback, ebook, and audio via Amazon or the Rock and Roll Nightmares website. That's R-O-C-K-N-R-O-L-L-Nightmares.com. Our official theme song is She's Out for Blood by Fuzzbuster, founded by Lars Cabot. Thank you for listening. Well, she's by